Hello and welcome to another edition of the Public Affairs in Practice uh, podcast uh, and we've got another uh, chat uh, uh, this time um, with and I'm very pleased that I've got uh, Paul Huston from um, who's an Associate Director of Arup uh, who leads on their public affairs strategy and, and delivery but rather than me introducing Paul I'll let, I'll let you do that Paul but thanks for joining us today. No it's an absolute pleasure, absolute pleasure to join you. Um, and um, you're quite right, um, Associate Director at Arup. Um, and Arup, you know, they're an employee-owned organisation, so they're the second largest employee-owned organisation in the UK. Not many people know that, but principally um, they focus on um, a breadth of services that relate to engineering, that relate to uh, planning, design, um, uh, helping create um, interesting spaces, if you like, um, and places. Um, but we work with well, across the globe. I mean, you know, there's um, presence right around the, the world, and there's about seventeen thousand of us um, globally, about seven thousand in the UK. Um, and um, you know, if you if you think of kind of um, big projects they've worked on over time, it could be everything from HS2 to the Sydney Opera House to the Angel in the North. Um, you know, it's um, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fascinating organisation and they do a hell of a lot of work with government um, directly or indirectly um, in the UK. Um, so it makes the public affairs job quite interesting, actually, because, uh, you know, you're working with government as yes, as a client, but also trying to influence their, uh, you know, policy as well, you know, in a way that, um, you know, uh, is in their best interest and, 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 and that of, um, uh, you know, the, the other stakeholders that they work with. Great. Well, thank you. Uh, I'll, I think we'll hope to explore a couple of those themes as, as we go through, Paul, if that's OK. But first of all, what, what brought you into public affairs? How? What's your path uh, into it? Were you always inspired to do um, public affairs or something you sort of fell into? Um, that's a good question, actually. I mean, I, 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 I've always um, been fascinated about the way in which organisations uh, interact with policymaking um, and, uh, you know, Classically, when I was at school, I studied politics, you know, A-level, I'd studied at university as well. Um, and I went to work for um, MPs. Um, I worked for um, Jerry Sutcliffe, um, who was the MP for Bradford South, um, and uh, Anne Snellgrove, who at the time was um, Swindon South, um, and, um, and then moved into public affairs probably around 2010. But I've always done strategic communications as well, but I spent a big chunk of my career at Siemens in the UK, um, looking after public affairs, predominantly in their kind of industrial and manufacturing businesses, um, uh, and, and also some time in the um, uh, legal sector. Um, and I spent uh, about three years working for Yorkshire Building Society as well, um, over the pandemic, leaving their external affairs function, um, which was their public affairs and media relations. Um, and um, I, you know, I consider myself very fortunate. Like, you know, I find the work quite fascinating. You know, how uh, you know politics and business come together, and particularly over the last ten years, you know, it's been such a dramatic period of of change. And um, you know, the the number of prime ministers we've had, the big topics from Brexit to the pandemic, and just seeing how business interacts with government. Um, and that relationship hasn't always been healthy. Um, it's probably on a more even keel than it has been in many recent years. But um, uh, you know, it's um, uh, you know, it's it's always fascinated me. But I, I don't think many people know about it or understand public affairs. And, and I think it's it's important that many as many people and practitioners get the message out 
as to what the industry is, you know, and why it does what it does. Because transparency is, uh, you know, it's dead important for, for our sector. Absolutely, yeah, no, I think, and the work that the CIPR and the PLCA and, and others do in trying to, you know, push mm. government on some of the regulatory reform for, for lobbying or public affairs, whichever their definition is, to try and increase that transparency as well, I think is, is incredibly important, but it is down to the behaviour of each of us as individuals and organisations to try and, um, you know, push that as well. But that that lack of understanding, um, hopefully things like the podcast and, you know, that sort of, you know, at this yeah. point does help. Um because it's not always obvious, I don't think, to, you know, people coming out of, well, either doing sort of now more apprenticeships into to firms or to PR firms um, or the more traditional sort of, you know, degree and then work for an MP type route as well. But it's not always clear what public affairs is or what, you know, what benefits it brings to organisations. I think you're right. Is that something you have to sort of constantly remind Arab uh, as well, you know, the benefits um, it's of the public affairs team or, or they, they pretty much signed up? I'd say they're pretty signed up um, and they understand the importance of influencing. It's a key part of their, you know, um, uh, local and national, international strategies to to to, to influence, um, you know, whether that's policy or, um, you know, the way that they do with their with their clients. And I, I think they're pretty, they understand the value Um uh, but you have to constantly be able to link it to, you know, um, the commercial realities of the world that we're in, um, you know, but there is very tangible and concrete things to, um, you know, work on for the public affairs here at Arab. Um, it's not, you know, you know, you, 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 you see that you see how it adds value. I dare I say it, there are certain times and certain organisations that I've, you know, maybe I've worked with in the past or seen from afar, uh, that you know, they don't have the substance behind what they're engaging with the policymakers for, um, and that's when I think you get into commercial um, uh, difficulty, or you have to really fight your case, and you don't want to be in that position. Arabs, I think, are pretty pretty well signed up. I think all businesses should be engaged in public affairs in one way or another. I think it's important that you know responsible business, of which most businesses are in the UK, have a voice um, and they use it. And um, and use it positively um, because you know there's a lot of fear and reticence about putting your neck on the line out there. But I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm convinced that um, you know a strong and healthy dialogue between business organisations and policymakers is is, is is healthy. It's what you need in a democracy. Uh, but I think in recent years, it's it's you know many businesses have been uh, scared of doing that, uh, or they've been much more reticent. Uh, and I think that has genuine consequences, um, you know, for, for, for policy making in the UK. I think, right, I mean, and in just in recent months, there seems to be a bit of a dichotomy between, you know, organisations, particularly during, you know, COVID, post-COVID, recognising that actually government has a huge role to play in supporting industries, uh, sectors, sometimes directly financially support mechanisms and so on. But at the same time, they're also slightly reticent about, you know, doing too much engagement, pushing themselves forward because they know that politicians and government can turn as they did, you know, with the sort of that Western Coots Bank, etc., on those sorts of issues or on, you know, anything that in speech marks would be sort of woke uh, at, at the moment as well. So there is, a, I think, a, 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 that risk element for some prevents them from doing too much engagement, I think it's, you know, is, is my impression anyway. Yeah, I, you know, I think you're right, uh, which is why it's important to have, you know, have 
uh, you know, strategic counsel at, you know, at senior levels in an organization that can coach the business as to how to do that properly um, and not make any um, missteps. I mean, that's part of the discipline, isn't it, is working with your senior leaders to make sure that they are, you know, armed with the right tools to make a good impact and a positive impact, um, you know, and not doing public affairs on the fly without the proper counsel. Um, and, you know, I think more and more businesses are looking to public affairs professionals and teams as that senior, you know, reputational and, you know, uh, uh, policy, uh, you know, guidance and then they need that. Um, and that's that's good. I feel like that's a trend I've noticed over the last few years is that that's a lot more prominent in businesses than it probably was previously. Yeah, I mean, and does that sort of come through in your, your typical day, Paul? Is that your, you know advising the senior leadership team, managing the reputation locally, nationally, in all these, in, in different policy areas or, or particular projects? How does it work for you? Uh, it's a good question. I think, um, you know, principally it's about, I mean, there's a few things and you get this in all organisations. It's not unique to Arab. I think, you know, there's the, the kind of job number one is ensuring that everyone has the, uh, you know, the right skills to be able to engage um, and understand what public affairs can do and a part of that's about political literacy and about how government works how parliament works how policy making works how it impacts your business uh, and getting that understanding right across the organization is really really important um you know typically on a day-to-day -day, you know as we started to at our at least focus on what we want to influence um in particular policy areas connecting our senior leadership team to the right policymakers uh, is, is a big part of the job, but making sure that they are using those engagements for, for genuine added value, you know, and, and having something useful to contribute to policymakers. And typically for Arab, that's going to be around infrastructure, transport topics, um, innovation topics. Uh, it's going to be around uh, planning. It's going to be a lot of you know, not just Whitehall engagement, but it's going to be about engaging with uh, mayoral authorities as well. We do a lot of work there um, and helping, uh, you know, you know, helping the senior leadership team, you know, make the best use of their time and the, and the politicians' time if, if that's who they're engaging with. Um, and, you know, often you can do these engagements and, and there's little follow-up and it's important to make sure that you've got a very clear ask in there uh, that is, that's, that's, you know that, that makes that engagement um, meaningful um, and you know uh, one of the things I'm quite keen on is we do a lot with our, our senior leaders in this space inevitably on key issues of the day and projects that are you know, challenging or you know things that need influencing but I'm very also keen on making sure that we work with kind of rising stars if you like within the organization or folks that you know might not traditionally be exposed to this because inevitably in public affairs you end up you know working a lot with the senior leadership team uh, uh, because obviously you know they are the leads of an organization but it's important to engage people right across the organization at different levels from apprentice upwards you know they've all got something of value to add to that process um, which is why I go back to my first point about the political literacy point you know making sure that people understand how uh, politics works I think that's, that's a really critical issue. I think you're right. And, and it's not one that's given much attention to, which is actually, if you concentrate all, I think if you concentrate all your efforts on that senior leadership team, you know, invariably they move, 
politicians move, advisors move, whatever, you, you're trying to get that longevity of connection within an organisation. And that is very effectively done by bringing in different people at different levels within the organisation who can build their own networks over a period yeah. of time as well. So the whole thing becomes a bit more organic rather than having to sort of reinvent connections constantly. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's it, you know, so... Uh, and I say, you know, I think it's true of every organisation that I've worked with, you know, you build a relationship with X, um, you know, set the stakeholders and they move, uh, or a senior leader, uh, you know, moves on, um, and then you have to start again. So it's important that you do that. Um, but you're right, it's not given as much attention, I think, in the, in the, to the discipline of public affairs as other topics. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, you've already sort of indicated this before, but, you know, in terms of your engagement, obviously London for, for a lot of it, but increasingly mayoralties, presumably devolved, yeah, Scotland, Wales, you know, Northern Ireland as well. Again, how do you manage that? And, and you know, that I suppose, and you mentioned reputation already as sort of one of the changing and evolving, evolving areas of, of public mm. affairs. Do you see any other sort of parts changing, maybe parts of the devolution settlement or maybe completely separate from that as well? Um, well, yeah, everyone says that you know, when they write say this, that the UK is one of is, is probably one of the most centralised countries uh, in the world in terms of how it operates the politics. Um, certainly in the Western world, it's it's up there. You know, it's very very centralised still is. Um, you know, uh, we've you know I know that mayors have engaged with other mayors across the the world, for example. Um, and when they talk to their counterparts in the US, the US have always been shocked that they don't have tax raising powers. And they don't. You know, how do you how do you run an election? What, what you, how do you commit to what you're going to do if you've not got the ability to you know um, have fiscal power, etc. And it, you know, um, and they still don't have that. Um, but in terms of public affairs, I mean, yes, it's it, you know, it, my challenge is always. It's be the same with all public affairs practitioners. Is how you you kind of spread the jam and understand exactly where you're going to focus your time and activity. Because in years gone by, it was probably okay to really drill down on Westminster and Whitehall and be based in London and uh, you know all those sorts of things. But increasingly, that is changing quite rapidly. I mean, I'm you know sat here talking to you from uh, Leeds, and um, you know that's where uh, where I live. I live in West Yorkshire. I don't think I could have done my job that I do now ten years ago from here. I, uh, you know, I, I think it wouldn't have happened. And uh, you know, I think it's good that you know you can get more public affairs practitioners based around the country uh, and outside of the uh, the Westminster bubble, so to speak. I still say that it's pretty chunky the work that we do in Whitehall in Westminster, but increasingly we're spending time not just with devolved governments; they've been around for a while anyway, but. Um, uh, increasingly with mayoralities and uh, combined authorities um, and if you look at Manchester and West Midlands they've got their new uh, trailblazer deals they're getting a lot more um, uh, power to do stuff um, and inevitably you know when it comes to big issues like transport and connectivity place making you know you're going to do a lot more work there so there's been a concentrated effort here in Europe to um, really strengthen some of the relationships with the mayors um, right across the piece and um, you know, but it's not just moralities as well. I mean, you've got the um, you've got the Treasury in Darlington, you've got the Bank of England relocating bits of itself to Leeds, the UK Infrastructure Bank is in Leeds. Um, you know, there's um, similar uh, organisations in Manchester. I think GCHQ are in Manchester now, um, have been for a while. 
uh, you know, so uh, you know, institutions are moving probably not as fast as they should, but it's going to continue to accelerate the next 10, 20 years. Um, and therefore, the, the profession of public affairs has to be more dynamic and you need regional presence, um, certainly. Yeah, and you can, and you can add to that, I think, the, the obviously the Northern Powerhouse sort of initiative, of so bodies such as Transport for the North, you know, in the, in the more statutory sense. Uh, we've got I don't know, Midlands, uh, we've got Transport for the South East, Midlands uh, Engine, uh, England's Economic Heartland. Then you've got sort of different projects which sometimes have their own um uh, you know structures around the the, the came not, uh, you know the arc uh, oxford cambridge arc sorry if i put my um, mind into gear there um uh, and that does seem to have a shift because that traditional let's look at westminster and whitehall for who are making the decisions would be part of the explanation here not least because you've indicated you know they still control the levers of power in terms of money but in terms of the actual detail policy initiatives it's much more spread across the country, isn't it? And do you, do you expect to see more of that as, as you know, particularly as we've got a general election coming up, probably yeah. next, maybe, maybe early year after, but, you know, more, more shift towards that sort of model? Yeah, and I think you'll see the public debate on that uh, really accelerate next year because um, whilst we don't know the day of the general election, we do know that all of the moralities, excluding one, I think, um, being South Yorkshire, um, are up for their elections in in, um, in May. London, Manchester, it's a bit, I don't think we've had that before, a bumper multi-mayoral election night. Um, and I think, you know, on each of their platforms, you know, particularly outside of London, there is going to be, I mean, I think it would be sensible for a lot of the mayors and the candidates to be saying, you know, um, uh, let me finish the job if they want to stay in office, for example, and give me the powers and the tools I need to do that. Um, and, and I think there is an interesting conversation there about what that should look like and which institutions and combined authorities have the um, institutional capacity to take on more powers and, and are ready for it. Um, but, you know, it's going to be, you know, a big part of the dialogue, you know, um, and I imagine a part of that's going to be about tax raising powers and, and, and fiscal powers. And I don't mean just adding a few pence to hotel rooms for hotel tax, as important as that is. I mean, you know, proper full fat fiscal devolution. And I think that's going to come onto the agenda. And, you know, the public affairs professionals should watch that closely because uh, that will, you know, change the game in terms of how the UK is governed over time. Uh, and it's all incremental and in bits and, you know, different pockets of the UK are doing this differently. It's a very complex landscape of devolution. But I think the trajectory it's going within 10, 15 years time, it will change the way how the UK operates and functions as a political entity. And I think it'll be positive. Um, you know, the, 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 we have the, the starting pistols have been fired, really, in terms of, of greater devolution. So in terms of, so that brings us sort of neatly onto some of the, I mean, obviously you guys, Arab, do a lot of work in, um, you know, major infrastructure projects, uh, you know, in different parts of the country, nationally significant ones, as well as, you know, locally significant ones as well. And the government have talked a bit about sort of reforming the process by which those projects and others happen, whether that's planning reform you know, locally, nationally. So are those the sort of issues that you might well get involved in? If so, how do you sort of pick that apart as, as Arab and, and decide which ones to get involved in and, and how to do that? Um, that's a good question. And I, I think, you know, 
can we get it from a purely public affairs perspective? I mean, there's a commercial answer to that question, and that's based on, you know, whether we've got the, the right people to deliver for those organisations on those projects. But um, from a public affairs perspective, I'm, I'm looking for the areas of policy that can have most impact, positive impact for uh, the people on the ground doing the projects. You know, because if it's big planning projects or it's big infrastructure projects, I'm not naming particular projects here. I'm simply saying that, you know, if the government gets it wrong uh, on things, uh, it has a direct impact on businesses like Arab and other businesses in the sector. I mean, you see it, um, you know, and, uh, I, you know, so therefore I, we are, we have done an exercise internally about kind of shortlisting the policy priorities we want to focus on. Uh, based on their impact on on Arab, and we, we've kind of shortlisted it into five areas at the moment, um, and that's making the case uh, with other organisations for a, a fixed and determined, at least on a statutory footing, industrial strategy. That's really really important for the UK. Um, reform of planning nationally um, uh, in order to um, help accelerate key infrastructure projects. I'm giving the headlines here, by the way, not the, the depth that sits underneath it um, at the moment. I think um, it just gives you a sense of why we focus on what we focus on. The other three are um, how the UK interacts with emerging markets and globally, um, what the UK government can do to facilitate better engagement with other governments to help British companies like Arab secure business across the world. Um, the other would be um, uh, energy energy reform and energy regulation we do a lot in renewable space the fact that you know uh, uh, so much of our work relates to climate resilience climate change planning with governments um you know it's the bread and butter of what we do so there's a strong energy focus in terms of energy reform in the uk um, and climate change uh, and then uh, the last one that we uh, we've decided to kind of uh, really drill down on is um is transport as a topic um, and the modes of transport, a national transport strategy, which is needed to integrate what is, you know, quite a fragmented um, uh, infrastructure network at the moment. And um, that's a kind of big bread and butter of our work. And we've kind of worked across the business to find out what are the policy blockers, what are the blockers on projects, what are the things that are gonna make mean difference to us uh, that we can present in the retail off the way to politicians. Um, and, you know, this, again, this is not unique to our, but I definitely think, you know, you can't please everyone all the time and, you know, there'll be things on our focus areas for the next six months into the election that people will think we need more emphasis on. Um, but it's it, it's a starter for 10 to get the organisation thinking about, you know, uh, what's, what are we meaningfully engaging on here? What's going to make a difference to Arab and our clients and the projects that we work on? I think I should also mention, by the way, I should also mention that you know, because we're employee owned, which is great, uh, it's very consultative as a business. You have to speak to, you know, it's important that you have good, genuine dialogue uh, and input yeah, into that process. Public affairs sort of imposed on that. This is the approach. Yeah. It, it, it bubbles up and uh, you consult. Yeah, definitely. You have to, have to. Yeah. And that's good, though, to get challenge. You know, I've worked in the other, on the opposite side of the scale in the past where it is a bit more hierarchical and you know this is the strategy and this is what we're doing and you like it or you lump it um i've seen that before but this is very you know i, I like the, the challenge you get in Europe. and also we, we have so many experts in policy in economics in climate change policy that have worked in government for years or worked in think tanks uh you know i'm very 
cognizant that you know I'm surrounded by very very bright people and therefore want their input. I think it's very interesting that you know when that happens, often those experts are listened to more when they're sitting in an outside organisation such as Arab than when they actually sat in government. Sometimes um, it, it sort of brings with it a bit of a, a bit of a halo, certainly. But the idea that when government is talking to a big business or any side of business, but a big business with all these different projects, all these different levels of expertise, all this different sort of experience, that somehow that then reinforces that individual's expertise and then makes it resonate more with with government. Um, not entirely sure why that should be sometimes, but if you know if the experts are internal, but I certainly that's that's certainly my experience as well. Um, I think you were very polite in not naming any projects there, Paul, as well. So uh, you know. <laughs> yeah well you know i don't think i need to do i yeah you know but you know at the end of the day you know i people i'm really excited it is because i'm working in Aberdeen. i've worked in other companies as well i don't i you know i don't think many people know as they should how much politics can impact business uh you know whether it's what happens in a budget or whether it's what happens in um, you know, big policy decisions and changes, change of government, you know, does feed its way through to the bottom line. In fact, well, you, you only have to live through the last five years to see how much a government can impact business life, individual life, to be fair. And I think, um, you know, um, hence why it's important for businesses to be good and do it properly, public affairs. And, and you know, on that sort of note, is there any sort of top advice that you have received or anybody that you've particularly listened to, you know, over the years that's influenced your approach to, to public affairs that you could share with us? Um, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, I've done a lot of work with, um, uh, you know, some great folks in public affairs over the years. And the ones that are most effective are, you know, they have breadth and depth, you know, they have depth in particular policy area. I was very fortunate to work with Jürgen Meyer, um, who was the chief executive at Siemens, and um, I sit on the board of Vocal, which is a new organisation uh, that he's set up, um, which focuses on helping businesses interact with policymakers and getting their voice heard in the media. And um, uh, you know, I've worked, I've worked with him on that project and at Siemens, and he's been, you know, really, really um, a good example of making a positive case for business in a really proactive way um, and uh, championing issues like the North and Northern Powerhouse manufacturing and uh, I think his approach for, of uh, you know um, making it fun actually you know making you know and making it intellectually stimulating is, is, is definitely something that I've uh, tried to bring into some of the work that I do um, and you know I see other organizations over the years that I've worked with I mean I've got a horse a lot of time for the Northern Powerhouse Partnership and, and Henry Mewison, um, who blends media and public affairs very effectively um, to make a case um, and make it, you know, clear, you know, what particular needs the North has, for example, uh, and, and, and the surrounding areas. Um, and I think he's been very, very, you know, I've taken good advice from him over the years. Um, and, you know, it's, it's fascinating, really, because I think, you know, Ultimately, there should and could be more folk out there that do that type of proactive engagement, uh, and there'll be much more reticent. I think, particularly so in, a, in in regulated industries like financial services, 
people that get very, very kind of, and there's a whole history behind that, of course. Um, but, you know, um, making sure that, that there are leaders and more leaders in the public affairs space and they take on those skills and they bring it into their CEO world is, is you know, is, is very much needed. Brilliant. Well, look, Paul, thank you very much for your time uh, with us today. It's been hugely appreciated. Lots of things to think about, and but lots of insight into to your work and, and the challenges that we'll all face uh, going forward. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Pleasure.